We're continuing in our series on spiritual gifts this evening. And so we had Paul speak last week and I was actually in the North and West Side speaking, but great to be back here at Central today. And we really talked about how, as we look at the subject of spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit wants to empower and equip us to carry his kingdom message. And so if you think about it, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God that we've been given. So Jesus has won the victory, which is awesome. Cross and resurrection, he rose again. But yeah. oh, it's going to be one of those evenings. All right. We're going to go a bit Pentecostal. I'm up with that. But I tell you what, if I do a long wait every time, do you know what I mean? I say something, Jesus is king. Okay, there we go. Okay, so wow, this is going well. But so Jesus has won the victory, but we live right now in the battle. And so I'm, I'm just aware many of you will have come in today and you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm in the battle. And we're in between the times of one day we get to go to heaven, but Jesus has won the victory, but there's still a battle going on. Two things we're given. We're given the armor of God within this, but we are also given gifts of the Spirit, which Jesus loves to pour out on his people. And so that's what Paul started talking about last week. And he said, we are to be an army, not an audience. We're to be an army, not an audience. Because the truth is, it's easy to come into churches and to sit there and to be like, that was deeply interesting. And we're used to learning, we're used to listening. But actually, we're in the business of being transformed. We're in the change business. And so actually, my heart during this series is not that you just learn lots of information and go, oh, I know loads about spiritual gifts. That's okay. But actually, if we're not walking in the things of the Spirit, then we've missed the point. And so actually, I hope that this series is practical, that it challenges you. So last week, Paul looked at the 1 Corinthians 12. This series is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14. And he looked at, so some of you might not have been here, but he talked about this, to one that is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. In that list, there are nine different gifts that are given to people. Uh, actually, as you go through the scriptures, there's other passages that talks about gifts of the Spirit as well. There's a passage in Romans. I've counted them up in a way that only I can. I reckon there's 21. Uh, 21 different gifts of the Spirit that the Lord loves to pour out on his people. So for the rest of this series, we're going to look at individual gifts in more detail. And we're going to start by looking at the gift of prophecy. This is part one of two, actually. I started trying to unpack this in one talk and realized I couldn't do it. And so Dave Pike's going to be continuing from me next week. And um, hopefully not correcting too much of what I've said. You, you know, when somebody comes after you, it's like, well, James said that. And it's like, well, anyway, he won't be doing that. So so as I lay the foundation of this topic, I wanted to start by sharing a story from Jen and my life. Jen's my wife, and which really speaks of the power of prophecy, because it's very easy to have a talk about prophecy and just be like, oh, interesting. But actually, this is foundational to the way that I live. 
you know, it's like, it's not just an add-on. I deeply believe in this. And as I tell you this story, I hope you can kind of see the pr- fingerprints of God in it as well. About 12 years ago, uh, probably the second year of the church, so we planted about nearly 14, well, about 14 years ago, this church. And m- myself and Jen were in the middle of an almighty kingdom battle. You know, one of those seasons of your life. We'd had our eldest daughter called Eva, and Eva was coming up to a couple of years old, and we were in the process of trying for a second child. Now, unexpectedly, Jen had a miscarriage. Um, and it was, for anybody that's been through that kind of pain, it is, it's deep. You know, suddenly it's a child that you've, you feel like you've lost. And so it's, it's really deep for both sides, but it was even deeper for Jen. So, so we, le- we had a miscarriage with our first child. Then, unfortunately, we then had a second miscarriage and we had a third miscarriage. And so, you know, when you're in those moments where you're like, God, where are you? Where are you in this? And then finally we had a fourth miscarriage. And my my wife, Jen, was deeply, deeply distraught. And I was explaining it to one of my children, actually, the other day. I was talking about that season because my my teenager, who was 13, was like, you've never understood pain in your life. And you're like, mm, darling, uh-huh. <laughs> kind of been around for 43 years. I might know a thing or two about pain. And, you know, so I was talking to her about this and she was like, oh, okay. Um, but so, and I remember Jen had reached that point and she was lying on the bed one Saturday afternoon. You know, that moment where you just energy goes. And she, she was having a heart-to-heart with the Lord, I think would be the easiest word. Do you know what I mean? Just disappointment, grief, feeling crushed. But really that question of God, where are you? I, can't, I cannot see you. I cannot hear you. I feel utterly rudderless and lost. And she received a text from my brother-in-law, Andy, who's actually a part of this church now. And he sent her a text from Lamentations 3, verse 20 not a passage of scripture that we particularly knew at that point. It wasn't a John 3, 16. It was like Lamentation 3, 20. You have to look it up. It's like, well, what's that? And it says this. Yet this I call to mind, and there I, therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Now, when you are in the midst of a really difficult time, sometimes you sit there and go, oh, that's great, but I'm still in grief. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like... And so Jen kind of was like, okay, that's great. Got another text from another friend, completely different place in the country, a friend called Jemima, who we were in South Africa with, who texted her this verse, Lamentations 3, verse 20, within a couple of hours. You know, in that moment, you're like, oh, wow, okay. The Lord's really trying to say something. That evening before we went to bed, And there's another thing that I just want to add to the story. Every time before we came to church, Jen would have a nightmare about losing another child. So on Saturday night, Saturday nights became really bad nights for us because it was just that nightmare. And then we'd go to church and Jen would feel really wobbled um, just in that. So that night, we received these two words and we prayed before we went to bed that night. And we're like, Lord, if this is, you know that moment, we're like, if this is you, like we're praying for hope. We're praying that you shift something. So she woke up the next morning and she'd had a dream. She'd had a dream of having a baby that night. Now, that was completely the opposite of our experience for that whole period of time. You know, this beautiful dream. And again, we woke up and we prayed that morning. And it was like, Lord, 
when you have hope deferred, it's a difficult place to be in. And so we prayed again that morning before we went to church. And we're like, and I remember Jen just being like, Lord, if this is you, you know, it's like, we don't want to get our hopes set on something. This is you. Would you speak? Would you? So we came to church that morning. We're actually into the stadium at that point where the West site now meets. And there was, there was this older guy called Clive who, um, a little bit of backstory, Clive, when he was in his kind of teens, so he's probably in his 60s at this point. When he was in his teens, somebody had said over him that actually that he, it would be good for him to step in prophecy. But for, for 45 years, he'd never given a prophetic word. He'd never stepped out on this. On that day, they'd prayed in small group that week that he would step out in this gift of prophecy. He stands up at the back and he takes the microphone. First time he's ever spoken a prophetic word. And he's like, I just know that there's somebody in here that has lost all hope. But the Lord wants to say, Lamentations 3, verse 20. And in that moment, Jen was supposed to be getting up and doing notices and she just weeped. You know, it's just that moment of, oh my goodness. Now, that, did, that wasn't the end of the story in terms of, okay, suddenly it was just this, you know, boom, this trajectory of eternal hope in that moment. It wasn't actually Isabel, who's our middle child. We now have three children, but we, we fought for Isabel, you know, all the way through. It was a very, very difficult pregnancy. It was a very, very difficult time. But in the midst of all of that, we knew that God was with us, that God speaks, that he has kindness towards us. And what I love about that story is that it's three different people who were prompted by the Lord to share something. These were not professionals. Do you know what I mean? It's like these were not the super saints. These were three people that took the time to hear the Lord to, and, and to send that little text and just be like, I want to encourage you and I want to affirm what you're doing. So when I'm talking about prophecy and moments where God breaks in, this isn't just me being like, oh, we, we need to do this. I have experienced what it is when you're in the darkest and most difficult place in your journey where the Lord breaks in and he's like, I am with you and I will hold you and I will fight for you and I will be your rock and I will be your shield and I will be yourself. All of those things. And in that moment, it's just like this deep, oh, my father knows. My father knows. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about prophecy. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5. It should just come up on the screens. It says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. We're actually in a couple of weeks going to look at the gift of tongues, and we're going to unpack that. But today we're looking at the gift of prophecy. And I want to give you a little bit of context as we come into this. Firstly, notice how this starts out. Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. He's kind of leading on from what he's talked about in the previous chapter 1 Corinthians 13 which many of you will know because it will be the passage that you've heard at weddings 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And so on. That beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. But interestingly, this love passage is sandwiched between chapter 12 and chapter 14, which talk all about spiritual gifts. And what we want to do is sometimes we go, oh, I've read chapter 12 about spiritual gifts. Fascinating. Oh, Paul's obviously had a rant about love in the middle of it. And then he's gone back to talking about spiritual gifts again. And it's like, whoa, 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 no. That is completely missing the point of what Paul's talking about right here. It's all one unified block of teaching around the same thing. Paul, not the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, spoke. I I do find this quite difficult moving between Paul and Paul. I just want to be honest about that. The author of the book and Paul. uh, (laughs) This Paul. um, Young Paul. But... um, that might, that might stick. <laughs> Paul spoke last week, young Paul spoke last week about how the spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. And it's a reminder of the grace that we found in Jesus. It's not about us, it's about him. And so they are given to us. A gift is given, they are received. It's not us being awesome, it's God being amazing. We're just the vessel. And the Apostle Paul in chapter 13 is telling the Corinthians that they are to be first and foremost a community defined by love. Spiritual gifts come out of a foundation of love for one another. That is the starting place. It's because we love one another that we want to operate in these things. And again, coming back to my story, it's like because people loved us, because they encouraged us, it's like they, they bothered to pray for us and hear the Lord for us. It's, it's interesting when you come into church, for instance, just going to put this out there. Many of us come in as consumers to something. It's like, oh, Lord, what are you going to say tonight? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm excited. That's really good. But it's a different way of thinking is, Lord, what do you want to say to other people that I'm around tonight? Do, do, you, see, do you see the shift in that? It's like, oh, it's not just for me, that I'm actually here to be part of a family that he's called us to community, that he's called us to one another. And so in that moment, so it all comes out of this place of love. Um, Paul says in chapter 13, even if you're the most prophetically gifted person, able to fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but you don't love well, or you're hard-hearted, or you're self-seeking, or you're proud, or you're spiteful, then you may as well shut up and pipe down, is what he's saying. It's a bit like, if your heart isn't right before me, then I don't really want to hear it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But so God's love is the first foundation. And then secondly, it's worth factoring in the church into which this is written. Anybody that's read 1 Corinthians know it's probably one of the most turbulent books in the Bible. It, it's like, wow, that community had some problems. That's what I always think when I read it. I was like, Paul is addressing some pretty major stuff. And he's like, guys, what are you doing? But the interesting thing is he doesn't go... Guys, you're such a mess. Just stop going after the things of the Spirit. Interestingly, he goes, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the things of God. Don't don't pull back on it. Instead, go the other way. Step into it. The spiritual gifts in this context, as you read the book, you begin to get the feeling that they were like badges of honor that people used, that some people were walking around and they were like, well, I am the prophet to the prophets. Do you know what I mean? I'm the apostle to the apostle. You know, that moment of, let me tell you how awesome I am. And the danger was that there were also some gifts that were lifted up above others. And, and Paul's like, no, 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 you guys, you've got it all wrong. 
The, the Lord gives the gifts. None of you are more amazing than anybody else. The Lord wants to use every single person in the church. If you know the Lord, he wants to use you. And so it switches because the danger is when you talk about spiritual gifts, then suddenly you go, well, it's for those people. And the Lord's like, no, 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 it's for all of us. Eagerly desire, all step into this. That's what the Lord wants. So coming back to the passage, Notice the high regard that Paul has for this prophetic gift. Verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So first thing, <laughs> I've taken a long time to get here, and you're like, what the chuff are you talking about by prophecy? What do you mean by this word? Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, defined it as this. It is the supernatural ability to speak the mind of God on a given subject at a given time by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's something that God, the Spirit, brings to mind spontaneously in a moment, a revelation from God, an understanding of something of his heart for a particular person or community or situation, which you then speak out. Now, if the gift of tongues is us speaking from our hearts to God, then the gift of prophecy is God speaking his heart to us. David Watson, who was a well-known uh, Anglican leader in the UK, defined it like this. Whilst the written word is God's truth for all people at all times, the prophetic word is a particular word inspired by God given to a particular person or a group of persons at a particular moment for a particular purpose. Lots of particulars. But I like that quote because it states right up front, we're not looking to add anything to the Bible. I just want to be so clear about this. This isn't kind of da -da -da, extracurricular Bible activity. I'm going to write a new book. No, 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 no. It all comes out of the scriptures and it should be consistent with the scriptures. Uh, so... In God's inspired written word, what a prophetic word does when it comes is to bring alive an aspect of which God has already spoken. Now, you might experience the gift of prophecy in lots of different ways. It might be a simple word or phrase that comes to mind as you pray or a picture or a reel of film. It might be a piece of scripture that God highlights to you. Sometimes it might be a physical sensation in, in your body. For instance, we often pray for healing. You know, the scriptures talk about praying for healing in the, in the power of the name of Jesus. And sometimes it's kind of like a sympathetic pain that we'll feel. And it's like, oh, actually, that's just the Lord getting us our attention about something. In January, I stood up and gave a word to the church, which isn't something that I do all the time. But actually, the Lord clearly, I, I was stood there. And the Lord gave me this image of a tornado coming right through the middle of the church. I was like, God, what is this? What are you talking about? It's like, this picture's for the church. I was like, I don't want to give this word, Lord. It's not very upbuilding. And then he was like, it is my presence and my power, and I want to come through your community. This is my church. I will be exalted, is what he said. And I gave that word to the church. Let me give you just another amazing this get this building that we that we actually managed to purchase about seven weeks ago um yeah you're so excited about that i'm still more excited than you but uh we managed to do this anyway about eight or nine years ago me and jem were just in the process of we were in the city stadium moving into this place and it felt like a really like sometimes as a leader you know when you feel like your leadership's out there and you're like oh, this could go like you feel quite exposed and 
we'd really felt like the Lord leading us and to come into this place. But at the same time, you still doubt yourself a little bit. You're like, Lord, I'd love your confirmation. Anyway, we went up to Nottingham, um, where Cause to Live For is, back to Trent Vineyard. And this lady comes up to me. So I've met her maybe a couple of times in my life. And she comes up to me and Jenna just as we're standing there. She's like, oh, I've got a prophetic word for you. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and she's like, I just want to give you this word. The gate will open wide enough for all that the Lord, all the people the Lord wants to bring. And you're like, Shabbat, God is real. She knew nothing about our situation. She knew nothing. You know, nada. It wasn't like she had some special knowledge already. She was, she was confirming in that moment something that we were in, just bang, this confirmation. That is a word that I have stood on for the last eight or nine years as we've been through different moments <laughs> on this crazy journey to the, to the point where we got to. But that moment where it's like, oh, God is speaking. God is moving. That's what the prophetic feel like. So who gets to prophesy? Everybody. I'm going to skip that point. I think I've made it already. Um, you're all included. Why? Why does Paul think that prophecy is so important? Verse 4, because it's the way in which prophecy builds up God's people. In, in verse 3, he says this, the one who prophesies. And when you go away and you think about prophecy, this verse is so key that you come back to. In verse 3, he says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So if you're like, what is prophecy? What does it do? That's what it does. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Prophecy builds the truth of Jesus more fully into us, and it helps make our foundations firm. Sometimes a prophetic word will be reminding of something we know to be true but have forgotten. Do you ever have those moments? It's like, sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, wow, God really loves me. And you're like, I kind of know that. But actually, there's a deeper level of knowing, isn't there? And sometimes when our identity gets skewed and we go off down a path and the Lord's like, no, I'm bringing you back and I'm putting this into you. It's an identity piece. And that's what happens when the Lord strengthens us. And then secondly, it encourages us. Encouragement in its truest sense puts courage back into us. So a prophetic word often sounds like this. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Be bold. Be strong. Keep on going. Persevere through this trial. Don't throw in the towel. Continue to trust in the Lord. With God's help, you can do it. You can overcome that temptation. It puts courage into our souls. That's what it feels like. And we frequently need courage put back into us. Strengthen your hand. Don't run away from that confrontation. Don't be afraid of your boss or that person in your family. God is with you. And it might be courage for a decision that you're making in life. In those moments, prophecy can help confirm that we're on the right track. Of course, I just want to be really clear. It's not wise to make a massive life decision or a huge relocation based on one person's prophetic word. I just want to put that out there. That we, something that we do is we have to weigh prophetic words. So when, I mean, I was literally going back as just this morning as I was kind of just preparing some of the th these things, I was like, oh, it'd be really interesting to go back and read all the prophetic words that I've been given over the last five years. Because as, as a leader of the church, I get given a lot of prophetic words. My job is not just to 
take them is that I have to weigh them. I have to weigh those things and be like, is the Lord in this? And otherwise, the danger is somebody can just say something over us and it's like, um, I think that you're meant to move here. And you're like, well, I better get on with it then. Like, what? You, do, do you see what I mean? Like, it has to be weighed. And what happens is there begins to be a weight of a prophetic voice that when God is moving, you can't get out of the way of it. <laughs> it's like he keeps speaking and he keeps confirming and it just becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Um, so be careful to weigh prophecy. Often the Lord is already nudging us already. And then finally, it gives comfort. A prophetic word can remind us that we are seen by God. Coming back to the story that I shared right at the beginning, I shared that story, a deeply personal story, because I was like, I want to show you how this works and what it feels like in that process. And in that moment, it was comfort. It's like God was saying, I see you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm over you. Prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts. And that's not to say it will always be what we want to hear. Can I just put it out there that sometimes prophecy confronts us as well? I don't know whether you've ever been the ostrich and you're like, I'm just going to put my head in the sand. And the Lord's like, no, 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 I'm going to. So there are times when the Lord wants to grab us. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, boom. And he steps in and, and he confronts us. But even in that moment where the Lord's just revealing something about maybe something about our life, maybe something about our attitude and the way that we're acting. And the Lord's like, I just want to, what he does is in his kindness, and I want to be really honest, it is his kindness. He shines a light onto something in your life. He's like, can I just show you this? And you're like, I'm going to hide that away. He's like, no, let me, sh let me shine on it. With words like that, there should always be some kind of redemptive hope. And what I mean by that is God doesn't just share a word of, you're a loser. That's not the Lord. Do you know what I mean? It's just like this, this kind of identity piece over you. It's like, you're awful. It's like, do you know what? The Lord is, he invites us to change the way that we live. And sometimes it, it, it's a confrontation because you're like, oh no, but I'm happy. And he's like, no, I'm just going to shine my light in because there's this area of your life that I just want to bring into the light. And it comes into the light and then bringing something into the light brings freedom. That's what the Lord does. And so actually when we're confronted by something, it's important, but it should always have redemptive hope in it because it's a bit like the Lord loves you and his grace is over you and he wants freedom for you. That's what it should feel like. A prophetic word from God will never leave us feeling awful. Prophecy should build us up, not tear us down. The prophetic is life-giving, which is why prophecy builds up the church. We become a people who know who we are, know that we're, what we're called to, and know that God is with us. I'm just seeing whether I've got time to say this. I'm going to skip that little bit. I'm going to come into land in a second. Final moment, couple of minutes. How? So why? You know, we've talked about that we all get to do it. Finally, how? Because I think that this is something that we grow in. I think that this is a muscle that we develop in. Yes, it's the Lord's gifts that he gives, but there has to be an openness of our spirit. to what, what, That's why he comes back to eagerly desire. 
And we have, sometimes it's just that, that posture where you're like, Lord, would you speak? I want to be available for what you want to say. Who is it that you want to bless? Who is it that you want to speak into? The best place to practice is in small groups. One of the things that we're encouraging all of our small groups to do this week is to have a go. It's like, hey, take the time, prophesy, pray for one another. Stop, listen, invite the Spirit to come and meet with you. Create space, see what comes to mind. Does it sound like God? Is it, is it strengthening? Is it encouraging? Is it comforting? Is it in line with Scripture? Is it consistent with the Scriptures? All of those things. And be brave and share it. Something I heard from Steve Nicholson years ago totally changed my mindset on this. He said that when it comes to the prophetic, most pe- people worry, what if it's not from God and I share it? He says, I think there's a bigger worry. What if it is from God and I don't? I love that. Just turns it on its head. It's like, what if it is from the Lord and I don't? We have to say it with humility. Something that we do not say in our church is, thus saith the Lord. Why? Because we do not speak with that degree of certainty. Actually, whenever we're offering prophetic words, we are offering them humbly. And it's like, actually, I really feel like the Lord is saying this. Would you weigh it? Because we're putting that onto the, we're not kind of putting this thing onto somebody. We're saying, I think the Lord's speaking about this. He's got this scripture that I think he wants to encourage you. Can you see it's done in a way that's done humbly rather than it's imposed upon something? So in finishing, I think the Lord's inviting all of us into this, that the gifts, the spirit, he gives different gifts to each one. But I think there is, there is an openness. I have been speaking for the last three months about the church finding its voice. <laughs> You're like, I've heard you say that before. Good. Because I, I, I think the Lord is encouraging us to find our voice. And actually, he's given us these gifts. We're crazy to neglect them if the Lord's giving them. All we have to do is to be an environment that is open to the spirit moving. So there's an invitation on all of us. It's like, will you be available for the Lord to speak? Would your heart posture be between the Lord's that's beyond you saying, Lord, who is it that you want to speak to? When I come into environments, when I come into small group, when I come into these spaces, Lord, is there anything that you want to say to people? Use me, Lord. Use me. Use me. I want to be available.